Hi, Brandon Monroe here, and you're listening to the Bernie Breakdown. With the playoff field now set for the Cup Series, it's time for one of NASCAR's oldest and most historic races, the Southern 500. I'm Brandon Monroe, and alongside me tonight is Mark Chavez. Let's start off with some news, as there's been a lot to uh, come out of the NASCAR garage over the last couple days. Let's get started with 2311 Racing, announcing Bubba Wallace will be piloting the 45 car for the rest of the year. As they pursue the owners' championship, Ty Gibbs will be in the 23. By the sound of it, if Kurt Busch comes back, he will be driving the 23 the rest of the year, while Bubba and the rest of his team try to go after that owners' title for 2311. Yeah, it's a unconventional move for sure. In years past, they would have just you know transferred the owner points. I uh, can't do that as easily these days. Uh, it makes sense. It, it's just you're so tied to the number. It is certainly a little bit weird. But I do think Bubba gives them the best chance to get their highest finish they could in the owner's points. It also allows Ty Gibbs to, you know, he'll still obviously be driving the 23 at least until Kurt, if Kurt comes back this year. Uh, but then it also allows Ty to just focus on the Xfinity playoffs, trying to win the championship in the Xfinity series, rather than also having to, I mean, he still has to drive the car. But he can now just go out each day and just focus on that race then and not have to worry about any playoff implications. I'll say I'm I'm pretty bummed for Kurt because he's the guy that got him into the playoffs. And, you know, I was hoping if he did come back at any point, he would at least have a chance to compete for that if the 45 was still alive when he did return, if he does. So that that really stinks. I get the move. If I'm picking between Bubba and Ty, Bubba is clearly the better option. I don't know if he's going to be a better option than Kurt, but we don't know what we're going to get from Kurt if he does come back. Yeah, so I imagine that I get it. If Kurt had any issue with this, I think they wouldn't have done it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure Kurt, not that he doesn't care, but thinks that this is also the best plan. I also feel like this probably, to me, means they at least don't think Kurt will race the first round. It would be my guess. Mm-hmm. At at the bare minimum, but we talked about it uh, either last week or, or in our uh, re- our uh, review of Daytona. Um, there is a chance that Kirk comes back and just is not himself, not the same way he was. I mean, obviously, one he's not raced now for two months, close to two months. Um, probably will be at least two months by the time he does get back in the car, and that type type of time off takes some rust off. I think part of the reason in the season we see drivers get better, more consistent is because they get back in the groove of racing every week. And now if Kurt were to come back, you'd have to go through that all over again. So I think it makes the most sense. Like I said, it's definitely weird just because your number is so critical in NASCAR. Uh, I do kind of wish they would just let him, you know, say, hey, this is the the 45 now. Or the the, the owner points are now on the, t- the 23. Uh, but it's... It was a not something I expected, that's for sure. When you actually think about it, I think it does make a lot of sense. I'll say the one thing, and I, you know, a couple people, they haven't made it completely clear. I've seen a couple different things here from different sources. It does sound like it's basically a number swap, although there were yeah. a couple people reporting. Yeah, there were a couple people reporting that they were to be decided on the actual crews. I... Uh, Bubba and Booty were going over, but I, what I'm what I'm trying to get at is. Even if it's a number swap, wouldn't you want the 45 crew pitting the car still? Because I feel like they've been the better one. If you think the 45 crew is better, which I would agree, you probably would want the 45 crew on the car. I imagine the rest of the crew would probably still be. I know they've officially said that Booty and Bubba will will, uh, go over. But if, you know, the engineer and stuff like that, they're comfortable with, they probably would stick. The pit crew changing to me makes the most sense. Although I will say... I feel like if they felt that way, they actually would have made the switch earlier in the season. That's possible, too. Yeah. If you felt that that was the case, make the switch earlier. Just even if you're, you know, acknowledging that Bubba's crew is better. We've, that's the decision teams have to make. They're not always comfortable decisions. I always go back to Jimmy and Jeff's crew. I don't remember what year it was, but Jeff was already effectively out of the championship. And they just, they just took Jimmy's or took Jeff's crew, gave it to Jimmy. 
Exhibit in the middle of a race. In the middle of a race, too, yeah. <laughs> so they didn't even wait. They just they said, Nope, you're done. Here, here you go. I think that was Jeff was already out, if I remember. I think that was the uh, year he got into the fight with Jeff Burton. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm pretty sure he fought yeah. with Jeff Burton. So he was out of the race and effectively out of the championship. So they made the decision. I mean, that's a decision that you have to make if you want to be a race winning or a championship winning team. Uh, I think if they were going to do it, they would have already done it. Yeah. So I guess, I guess we're probably both on the same page here. You know, it, it sucks for Kurt, but ultimately probably the right move for the team in the long run here. And another thing we didn't even touch on with it is that it does give Bubba some playoff experience. And he's not going for the driver's title, but down the road, that probably could be a good thing. If they could get that car into the playoffs next year, you kind of get the feel for it. Because he knows what he's racing for, even though he's not going to be racing for the driver's title. Like, there's a lot at stake with that team championship. So I think that'll actually be good for him and his growth, too. Um, just being able to get a feel for what it's like. Yeah. If we got some weird scenario where, say, like, Blaney won the championship and some other team won the team championship. I don't know that that team would honestly care that much. Like, obviously, they'd like the money. But I think in this case, if, if Bubba were to win the championship with that team won, you could effectively say Bubba won the championship. I mean, he, oh, Kurt, I don't know how many uh, st- stages Kurt won. Uh, obviously, Bubba would have those points. But throughout the playoff, Bubba, if he had won a race to get in, would have had to have done almost the same stuff. So if Bubba does end up somehow winning, I don't think he is, but if he did somehow win win the championship, I think it would also just be a huge sign of improvement. It would be crazy. It would be crazy, but it would be, I think, as close to winning a championship as you could get without winning one since because of the playoffs, if Bubba's 23 had won, say, at Daytona, he would have won the championship then in all likelihood. I will say, if that were to happen under that scenario and Bubba won the owner's championship with 45 and Blaney won the driver's title, now that that'd would be, be one really hell funny. of a party. That I don't want to really go to funny. that party after. <laughs> I was just bringing up Blaney because that's the most likely way we get a a owner's championship and the driver's champion different this year. And I mean, Blaney said he doesn't care that they couldn't win the owner's championship. Now, I'm sure Roger does, since that's more money they'd have gotten, but I'm inclined to it's believe him. entirely true. I mean, if the 45 knocks somebody out of the driver's title and they were the last one to get oh, in. Sure, sure. No, yeah, I, I mean, just think, I think my yeah. point is, I think Blaney winning yeah. is the most likely way. Not the only way, yeah, but yeah. the most likely way. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, now, I got to say, with Blaney's crew, they were able to make a lot of changes at Daytona to keep them in the playoffs when they had to fix their car. If that happens this week, they'll have a little less pressure on them because NASCAR, at least for the Cup Series, I haven't seen anywhere saying they've done it for all three series. Before the Cup Series, at the very least, the damage vehicle policy clock, or um, however you want to say it, the repair clock is going up from 6 to 10 minutes. I like the change. Personally, I think maybe if it were up to me, it'd be a little bit more, but I think this is actually a really smart move on NASCAR's part. I mean, if you've been listening, you know, this is something I've been wanting from very early on in the season. First five races that needs to be long enough that they could change, fix anything that that breaks because of the next gen car. Because obviously they're a little bit more fragile in some aspects, certainly better than they were at the beginning of the season. Uh, But we've it all we've seen some (laughs) some issues not really related to the next gen car where this also would have saved some teams. But I think, you know, the last thing you want is a guy to barely hit the wall, the toe link to break, and oh, there goes his race, and potentially his chance at the championship, all because the toe link broke. Ten minutes should be more than enough time if there's, if the car is good enough to where it's still competitive anyway. So I, I, I like this change. I hope it is something they keep, to be honest. I have no issue with the longer clock even if they didn't necessarily need it i'm still i i'm not a, i don't have a problem with the, the rule i know a lot of people don't like it uh i don't have a problem with the rule just because then it does take costs down you have less cars that are pitifully slow going out there uh but one thing that's slightly crazy to think is if this rule had been in place last week there is a scenario where blaney still misses the championship there are a couple cl- yeah. cars that were trying 
those four extra minutes could have made the difference. Uh, that is uh, something just we won't know necessarily. I'm sure they're not going to say, oh, this car took eight minutes to get fixed and then track that how it, it went out. But this could <laughs> certainly make some big changes. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I know personally, I've never been a fan of the rule, not necessarily because of the rule itself, but because of why they put it in. I don't find it a coincidence that they put in a repair policy like this after what happened at Martinsville in 2015. That's just me. I know there's a lot of other people that think that as well. But disregarding that, I'm with you. I don't think you want to see cars that are, you know, completely off the pace, well under, not minimum speed, or else they would be parked, but off competitive speed, just riding around and basically being a moving chicane for the actual lead lap cars in the middle of the race. I feel like maybe 10 minutes still isn't enough, but I do like that they're giving the teams more time. It should definitely get rid of some of the pressure, and I think we'll probably see a scenario, probably at Talladega, where this is going to have some very positive impact for a team, at least one, where they're able to fix a car that they might not have able uh, been able to before and get them back out there and contend in the race. So I'm all for it. I think I will, it's a good move by NASCAR. I will say, while this certainly is more of a time difference than what I'm going to say, personally, I would have probably preferred if they switched it to where only time in the pit box counts as... Uh, Yes. Yeah. Traveling. Yeah. I've never understood why when you're leaving the pits, you're still on the clock. Like if you're not fixing the car, you should be off the clock. I agree I, with that. As long you, the car just has to be in the pit box. Cause I thought about this too. It's like, like, well, what if like they, the team could effectively start the clock? It's like, well, then that, that makes it too messy. Mm-hmm. So I think just getting in the pit box, NASCAR starts the clock. So that does that does it for the caution clock caution clock wrong rule Brandon <laughs> the uh, repair clock let's move into some I guess still technically off the track news based on when it was found or actually no let's uh let's talk about Denny Hamlin first then we'll move into the Jeremy Clements news but uh Denny Hamlin was supposed to race the Xfinity race at Darlington this week uh, he has decided to sit that one out, citing soreness from his wreck at Daytona in the cup race on Sunday. Denny very outspoken. I know he's not a fan right now of the car, citing that that's part of the issue, just the stiff rear end that has plagued a lot of drivers with these accidents. I, you know, I think there's been a lot of guys so far this year that have said that that's probably the number one part of the car that needs to be looked at. I think you could partially contribute that to the issues Kurt Busch has had given that didn't look like that hard of a hit that he had at Pocono, and it's knocked him out for a while now. And there were a couple guys, not just Denny, who were feeling it after the wrecks. I know Bubba just got tapped in his wreck, and he said he was shaking up pretty good for something that was so slow. But Hamlin won't be racing as he doesn't want to, you know, have anything happen to him in a meaningless race as he is in the playoffs for the Cup Series. Yeah, I think uh, this certainly just put NASCAR's feet a little bit more to the fire in terms of the safety of these cars. I've seen a lot of people argue that like reporters need to get up in NASCAR about it. But at the end of the day, uh, the reporters have a lot of reasons why they don't challenge NASCAR's uh, much. And a lot of times don't challenge the teams much. We can criticize them all we want, but this is a very, um, connection based sport. And if the teams blacklist you, if NASCAR blacklists you as a reporter, I mean, there goes your job a lot of the time. So I get why the reporters would be, he- they've asked some questions, but be hesitant to push it. I think the onus is on the drivers, to be honest. Uh, most of the, especially at the cup level where this is an issue, then NASCAR is not going to do anything to the top level drivers that, I mean, how could you right now? If they were to penalize a driver for talking out about the safety of the car, I mean, how bad does that look? Then yeah, all the- it looked bad when they would talk about not even safety things. I remember when Denny started bashing the Gen 6 car after you know the second race in it, and NASCAR fined him. They, everyone was standing with Denny. It was pretty ridiculous then, and I think this is a more serious issue than just how the car raced, like when he was outspoken about the Gen 6s. 
So, I mean, you know, Kyle kind of, <laughs> I always think back to Kyle Bristol in 2007. He, goes, he wins the first race of the car tomorrow and talks about how bad the car is. Which, I mean, is kind of Kyle. I don't know that Kyle's ever raced a, uh, drove a good race car, to be honest. Uh, just based <laughs> on the way he talks. But, I, I mean, that's, I think that's the kind of thing. Like, every chance, if, if it is that important to these drivers, and it's that big of an issue, every time these drivers are on TV, they should be talking about it. Until NASCAR makes a... Com- I, people think they're going to do something this year. I just don't think that's possible. I don't think they if, can if either. There was, if there was some kind of quick, easy fix, they'd have done it already. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I don't even know if they can fix it for next year. I think that's a lot bigger change than what a lot of people want to believe. I mean, that's possible, but at the end of the day, until NASCAR says something, I think it's on the drivers to keep their feet to the fire. And I think Denny basically saying, yeah, that wreck last week was the worst. Well, I mean, it can't be the worst one he ever took since broke his back once. Uh, I but... mean, he, he said it hurt more. I, I don't know if I fully believe that because he could not get out of the car at Auto Club when he had that accident, but... It's I possible mean, that, like, today it hurts more than six days later than the Auto Club did six days later or four days later, whatever it is. That's possible. In the moment, I'm inclined to agree. I don't think he was hurt worse than having a broke back. I mean, I think... I listened to what Kevin Harvick has said over the last couple of weeks. I forget when exactly he said it. But he, and he's probably one of the few people, because I know a lot of these guys have come up through the ranks when they already had safer barriers at a lot of tracks. Not everywhere. Obviously, Denny hit a spot that didn't have the safer barrier when he broke his back. But somebody like Harvick, who started racing, you know, in the truck series in the 90s, and he was in the cup series in the early 2000s, Kurt as well, too. Those are probably two guys having gone up through the ranks and hit concrete walls. I remember Harvick saying that these hits now, they they feel like they did back then. That's the closest thing that he could compare it to, which to me that that says something is a bit off with these cars. If you're comparing a hit today to something that was you know twenty twenty five years ago before we got the safer barriers in, that that shows that somewhere along the line something's not going right with these cars where the drivers are feeling the impact a lot more. Yeah, it just there's clearly an issue here. Certainly not, you know, drivers dying like every like leaked after uh, the test dummy incident at Talladega, but still clearly an issue. And yeah, until think- NASCAR comes out and says something, I think drivers have to keep being vocal about it. Mm-hmm. I know, it's like I, I'm kind of torn in the middle because I think. When you listen to some people talking about the drivers, this is more of a, a fans thing. Like there, there are people that I think are genuinely concerned. You're going to see something really bad happen here if something isn't changed. I don't know if I'd go that far, but I can't sit here and say these cars are as safe as the Gen Six cars or the COTs. I, mean, I, don't, I don't think anyone's going to die, but I if if everything is said to be true is true. There's a chance if they don't do anything, Kurt is not the last concussion we get. Yeah. I mean, racing is racing. I think that's something you listen to some people after Junior had his concussions. And like, I think it was Jamie McMurray in an interview he did said something along the lines of like, well, for what we consider concussions today versus what we did 20 years ago, I don't know how many concussions I've had. I'm, I'm paraphrasing a little bit there, but it was somewhere along those lines. <sighs> I, think, I think unless the drivers are 100% truthful, we, we don't know in terms of the concussions, you know, like how much these hits are going to affect them more than before. Well, I think part of the thing, though, is that a lot of these drivers, junior included, had issues that stemmed from before the cars were to the level of safety that they are now. And in Junior's case, he not even now, but you know, a few years ago, I feel like in Junior's case, there were so many hits early in the year, earlier in his career, that it really added up at the end. Uh, and I'm sure Jamie McMurray's right. I would not be surprised. Similar to like in football, I'm sure there are plenty of guys that got plenty of concussions in the years past. They've done a lot of work to reduce the number of concussions, but because they've also been more truthful and thorough with them. In football, you've also honestly seen more concussions than we had 20 years ago. 
uh, not just more diagnosed concussions, not the, the driver, not that the players actually have more concussions. But I think for a lot of the guys that are in the sport still, the cars were safe enough that they started when they started driving that their chance of concussions were fairly small. Now, Kurt is obviously an exception to that, having driven since 2000. Uh, yeah, guys, I think his truck series was 2000. That's when he's a rookie. And, so, and yeah. guys like Harvick and about it about it honestly <laughs> at this point and you have some guys that are a little bit later late enough that a lot of the safety features post earnhardt uh were in there kyle uh X, Jenny, I throw in there. so it's possible it, it'll be interesting it'll be if they don't fix it, it it'll be interesting to see down the road which i hope they just fix it we don't have to worry about that because I mean, yeah, it wasn't after Junior's concussion. Everyone just treated to all the hits he had throughout his career. Uh, and I think part of the issue, though, and the thing that concerns people is that honestly, Kurt's accident in Pocono does not did not seem that violent. Uh, not even a thought of him potentially being injured after it. So I think that's also some of it's just weird with these cars man a lot of people said it if you just junk the car you they they don't seem as bad as the mid-level hits especially to the rear yeah i mean that's i think they said that on dbc and i think that adds up because i mean you look at austin dillon's hit at atlanta and austin cindrick's hit at michigan they they even said in their interviews like they were okay you know i don't know maybe maybe they're trying to just be all tough and and act like they're fine but you didn't hear them complain like you have heard some of these drivers with these, you know, mild, you know, rear end bumper to bumper contacts or just stuffing it in the wall. It it does seem like I think what they said on DBC was if they hit the wall hard enough where the wall's going to give more, you're you're still not going to feel it. Where a lot of these wrecks where these guys have been getting hurt or they've been, you know, at least shaken up a little bit. It's when they just like get in the wall so it doesn't really flex. I think like Christopher Bell's hit at um. Texas in the all-star race, I believe that's one where it was kind of similar to similar to currents where he got it backwards in the wall, but it wasn't like he was flying in there. So there wasn't a lot of give. And then the car, because it's so rigid is just going to transfer all the energy to the driver. That, that seems like what's happening. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm sure we'll find out more and more as we continue. And I would be shocked if, we don't have some statement from NASCAR about it. At least by the end. They're not, they don't really like talking about things around the playoffs when they start. Uh, even things like the schedule, which it sounds like they've made. It's a potential it could have been released by now. But they don't want to conflict with the start of the playoffs. Uh, but at some point, they're going to have to say something. And I, I expect it sooner rather than later. Especially as Kurt's absence continues to drag on mm-hmm. moving on to one last topic before we get into these races and this was uh what i was starting out with before but uh jeremy clements he will not be in the playoffs unless he gets another win because it was found at the r&d center after the race a couple days after his victory friday night or early saturday morning at daytona that there was what appears to be an illegal modification to I believe it was what the intake on the engine yeah, intake manifold intake manifold on the engine. Um, very unfortunate for them um, as it was a pretty harsh penalty over 70 points. And I believe it was yeah, like $60,000, 75 points, $60,000 fine. Yeah. Also 10 playoff points, but that doesn't matter since the win will not count towards so, playoff eligibility. A very, a very costly penalty for them. Very unfortunate. He does get to keep the win. I want to know your take on this, because this is what a lot of people have been talking about. Should that be something, should that be something that is able to be counted towards a disqualification? I think part of the reason I supported the change we have now is because I always felt it was dumb to have what we used to call encumbered wins. We haven't had one since they made the rule change. Although I, I guess we have one now and I hate it. I think it's dumb. If the win doesn't count towards the playoffs for a penalty reason, obviously then it shouldn't be a win. 
whether that means they take away wins for these kinds of situations afterwards, whether that means they just don't take away the win at all or the eligibility at all, whether they expand what they do at the track for things like this. Uh, I don't know, but I just I think if you get the win, it should count towards the playoffs. Period. I don't really care which way we go, to be perfectly honest. That's just my take. If it, you don't get the win, it's not you're not in the playoffs. But if you get the win, you're in the playoffs. I think it's something that should be done at the track. I feel like if you're getting caught at the R&D Center, personally, as a fan, that kind of leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Like, you're well past the fact. I I almost feel like, yeah, if you find it at the R&D Center, it should be like a don't do this again. You're lucky we didn't catch this when we were stripping the car down. You want to penalize them 75 points still. That's fine. I don't care about any of that. Mm -hmm. If you if you become ineligible because the penalty knocks you out of the top twenty in this case, which you did dump him down to twentieth, I believe, um, then that's fine to, with me. But the win itself, you either keep the win or you don't, and along with that, you either keep playoff eligibility or you don't. I don't really care which way we go, but it's one of those, in my opinion. I will say, at least NASCAR, because the running joke, I think anybody who follows the sport knows this, is the only thing consistent about these guys is their ability to be inconsistent. So I will give them credit here, because this is very similar to the penalties that Brad Keselowski and Michael McDowell got earlier this year. Granted, they weren't coming off a win, so they didn't have to dance around that, removing their playoff eligibility for the win. But this penalty does not result in a disqualification. If it is something that has been found at the R&D Center, at least this no, year, and I, I get all it's that. It's a penalty like this. I, so yeah, it, no, it, I get that. At least, at least they're consistent on that spot. But I'm with you. I think they have to do some tweaking to this. Yeah, like going into next year. Yeah, I don't really care which way, just some way. If you, to me, you either win the race and you're in the playoffs, or you didn't and you're not in the playoffs. No in between. Mm-hmm. I know. And this this sounds like Although something too. If, I, I heard. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say if uh, forced to pick, I'm inclined to agree with you. They don't catch it at the track. You can get the penalty still, but you should keep the playoff eligibility. The, the thing that really makes me scratch my head on this one is I I haven't heard confirmed reports about this, but this I did hear some rumblings where this was something that it sounded like they might have seen at the track during the post race inspection, but per rules, it's not something they're supposed to check at the track, which if they saw it when they were stripping the car down and they couldn't do anything because of technicality in the rule book like that, I, I don't know what to say. That, that would be very odd, but there is a slight possibility that is the case. Yeah, I mean, sure, Jeremy Clements prefers it this way yes. to finding <laughs> it at the track. At least now he still has a win. Even if he, doesn't yes. get the slaps. he is appealing, although... It sounds like the grounds of his appeals is not a benefit, and that historically has not mattered before. I doubt it'll matter now. Yeah, I, I, I get why they're appealing. I don't know if I'd put you in have, the statement. You have to that, appeal. You yeah. have to appeal it. Like, you, I, I can't fault him for appealing it, but when you're putting out the statement, don't say your reason behind the appeal is, oh, it wasn't a performance enhancement, so it's okay. Like That's how I read it anyway. I'm like, that's not going to fly, man. I, I know you have to do something, but... I don't know if that's going to work. <laughs> I, I get the justification for it because I think most people would kind of agree if it's not a benefit, it shouldn't be a penalty. But historically, that's not that has not mattered at all. Yeah, just so. just ask Martin Martin about that. They they would argue that their penalty back in 1990 wasn't uh, a performance enhancement, and they they still got popped, and that unfortunately did cost him a championship. But, you know, Clemens, it's very unfortunate what happened there. He'll still get to race on Saturday in the Xfinity Series. Denny Hamlin, as already mentioned, will not be in the car. Christopher Bell will be subbing in for him, which I think is a pretty solid pick, and it'll give him some, you know, extra track time heading into the playoffs. Uh, Kyle Larson, another cup driver, also in the Xfinity race on Saturday. So, well, I was going to say, a note on Kyle Larson, this was supposed to be... A race in the 88. Yes. Uh, however, it is now a race in the 17 for Hendrick. I don't... No one seems to really know why, to be honest. Uh, but he is in the 17 this weekend. Yeah, I, I couldn't figure it out either. Because... If, if you're worried about rain... Like... 
I feel like the 88 has more owner points than the 17. I would feel like it has to, but I... I... So, I just don't... I don't I don't get it either. I really don't understand the call there. Um, has to be some reason behind it. I just don't know. <laughs> Hendrick, Hendrick just wants to get another uh, Xfinity win here. He wants, he wants a 17 car to win. That was that was Ricky's number in the truck series. I think. I think. I think they just want the seventeen to win. Uh, a couple but. other guys that are, I think, of note. Obviously, uh, Ross Chastain being in the forty-eight, his first of what is rumored to be two starts, uh, can't be more than two since uh, next week at Kansas is the last race that Cup guys will be able to run in the Xfinity Series this year. Uh, also, John Hunter Nemechek in the twenty-six and one. Th- guy to potentially keep an eye on as well ty dillon in the o2 for our motorsport <laughs> it's uh it's better than what i thought he was in that was because i was trying to put together a team really quick for the xfinity race earlier and for whatever yeah. reason DraftKings yeah, cannot DraftKings get the not, first, right yeah they don't <laughs> they, they seem to assign them at some point and then they never change them again mm-hmm <laughs> Uh, one other one of note, mostly because it's interesting. Tommy Joe Martins is racing this weekend. However, in the five of uh, BJ McLeod Motorsports. It makes sense. If you already had these races signed up for other drivers, you know, and the opportunity comes around, I, I think that's probably the correct move there. I mean, uh, in all likelihood, just a third uh, Alpha Prime car, just using the owner points from the five, which... It's kind of at this point, at that point, a mutually beneficial thing. Yeah. But, you know, hey, Tommy, Tommy Joe gets to run around Darlington. So it's kind of funny. I saw both those Twitter accounts kind of making jokes about it during the day earlier today. So yeah, they're a, having uh, some fun with it. <laughs> yes. Uh, I saw the Alpha Prime car or Twitter making a an ex an ex-girlfriend yes. tweet. Yep. <laughs> so that's that's good to see those teams having fun with it. But. Looking at these odds, Kyle Larson, the favorite at plus 300, Christopher Bell, plus 350, Ross Chastain, plus 650, and then you start getting into the regulars, Ty Gibbs, plus 700, and then Noah Gregson and Justin Allgaier tied for fifth in terms of favorites at plus 800. Having the cup guys here definitely gives some value to some of these Xfinity guys that are good, but just seeing it how the, you know, the 17 or the 88 has run this year with cup guys in it, it's probably going to be hard to go against Kyle Larson, right? Yeah, Kyle Larson is my pick to win the race. Uh, Darlington, one of his best tracks in the Cup Series. Um, you could argue his best track, although he doesn't have a win there. Uh, in the Cup Series, it is his... Uh, he has, I believe, what is his yeah fourth best average finish. Uh, now, two of those tracks... One of them is new in uh, Nashville, only two races there. The other one is Chicagoland that they don't race at anymore. So of tracks he has that are active, that he has more than just a couple starts, it's actually his second best track. Uh, it's just great there. Four, and even the Xfinity Series, in four starts, he has four top ten. So Kyle Larson, plus 300. Book it. Pretty solid pick. I'm tempted to go the same as you, but I won't. I'll go Ross Chastain. Plus 650. Obviously, that car, the 48, okay equipment. Nowhere near as good as the 17 will be. But we have seen Ross run good here before in the Xfinity Series, specifically when he was driving the 42 car for um, Chip Ganassi. Uh, Almost won that race. Probably should have if he didn't get into it with Kevin Harvick. And uh, I'd I'd say after Kevin Harvick basically went along the lines of Ross is never going to get another one of those chances again. He's gotten plenty of chances and has been a pain in the ass to a lot of drivers since. But, again, plus 650. I know Ross is good here. I will definitely say this is me just trying to be a little different because Kyle Larson is definitely probably the play. But to make it a little more fun, I do like him over Christopher Bell. I do like him over Ty Gibbs. Justin Allgaier and Noah Gregson, plus 800, two drivers that have had some pretty good success here. Definitely someone in these favorites to take a look at, but I'll go with the guy that is just out there to have fun. You know he's going to go balls to the wall, and he might be trying to bring back a checkered flag or he's going to bring back the steering wheel. That's that's how Ross could be sometimes, but I'll go with Ross to win the race at plus 650. Um, 
What about a, a value bet here, long shot? Anybody deeper in the field that yeah, you're looking at? I have one I like a lot more than anyone else. And that is John Hunter at 2,500. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I was going there too. That's that's a really good pick. His only truck win of the year was at Darlington and three truck starts. He has a 3.7 average finish. He was fourth here in, I think this car uh, might have been the the 18, but I, I don't remember for sure. But either way, was fourth here in the spring. Uh, there are other guys like Sheldon Creed has some, you know, has ran good here in the truck series, but. John Hunter, that car can definitely win. This is probably his best track overall. Plus 2,500, I think, is a pretty easy play. I agree. You took my pick. You stole my thunder. I can't add one other thing to those stats you said, and that's that out of John Hunter Nemechek's three top tens in the Cup Series, one of them was also at Darlington. That is true. Driving the 38 car. That was, I remember so, that was the first post-COVID race, that was, wasn't it? Well, not post-COVID, uh, but... Post, yeah, no, uh, it was the yeah, post yeah, no, it certainly wasn't it, post yeah. COVID, but yeah, post no, we'll delay, post, <laughs> <laughs> post delay, yeah. and I remember that was a very, very, I didn't think about it at the time, but that was a, I remember yeah. that was honestly pretty shocking, pretty much shocked everybody. Mm -hmm. That intensive, uh, yeah, I will say a lot of people that that front row team. That was not the same team that it was two years ago. They're a lot better now. So that ninth place finish there definitely very impressive. Plus twenty five hundred. I'm with you. I'm I'm actually just going to ride with you on this one because that's who I had circled. There's nobody really jumping out to me that's deeper in the field. Maybe if you want to take a flyer on AJ Allmendinger because he's plus 1,800. I don't know if this track really suits his style of racing, but he is the points leader. That could be somebody else to take a look at. But yeah, John Hunter, he's just, he's really good at Darlington. You know, he won here in the truck series earlier in the year, probably could have won the truck series race here last year, the first one anyways, when there's a restart wreck late when he was in position to win and that cost him the race. So I like the pick plus 2,500 great odds for somebody who knows how to get around this place. I, I think it's probably the best long shot that we have here this week. So that's new for John Hunter. Uh, hopefully he makes it happen. That'd be a pretty good payout given the odds going to the head to head matchups. Um, I think we might be on the same page here. I'll let you go first as I try to scramble, scramble for another one, but what is yeah, your I'll, favorite I'll, one? I'll go ahead and take yeah. John Hunter over Sam yeah. Mayer. <laughs> Sam Mayer did get a top five here in the spring, so no fault on Sam Mayer, but John Hunter at plus 105 over Sam Mayer at minus 125. Uh, I just, at any time you can get uh, positive value here on a head to head with a guy that, like John Hunter in this situation, I think you got to take it. And I think it's just a, a really smart play. The one I'm going with, I will say the value here is not the best, but that is how strongly I feel about it. Give me AJ Allmendinger minus 150 over AJ All. I mean, Justin Allgaier. Damn, I always do that. You I always do, do, you that. do, do I that. Always <laughs> do that. I always do. Justin Allgaier at minus 150 over AJ Allmendinger at plus 125. Allgaier's just, he knows how to get around here, much like we were talking about with um, John Hunter Nemechek. This is one of his better tracks. And AJ, you see it in just the odds to win. He's really far down the line. If you have a lot of money that you want to throw on something here, minus 150, you don't have the value, so you're going to have to bet a bid if you want a decent payout. But that might be the way to go. I think it's a pretty safe bet. As long as Allgaier can keep the car clean, he should be able to win that matchup for you. One other one I do, I don't like it as much as, as the John Hunter over Sam Mayer because... I think the guy that is the favorite could, I mean, should be the favorite. But I, I don't hate Sam Mayer plus 115 over Josh Berry. Uh, that one feels maybe not quite a coin flip, maybe slightly tilted to Josh Berry's favor. But Sam Mayer did run strong here in the, the spring. It was his first real start here because I think he crashed pretty early in his actual first start. Uh, got stronger as the race went on. But Sam Mayer is maybe in a little bit of a slump, so I'm not shocked that he's at plus 150. Mm -hmm. I don't hate that one either, just because it could be a, a good, a decent payout for head-to-head. -head. Yeah. Going over to the fantasy teams, what's yours looking like for the race? So I'm leading off with Kyle Larson, 11,500. No shock there. Uh, from next, I wanted Allgaier, but I couldn't quite fit him. Uh, so I am taking Noah Gregson at uh, 10,000. Uh, six top tens and six starts with a 4.5 average finish. 
uh, just he's, he's very solid here. Uh, next, I have John Hunter at 9,300. I already talked about him. Uh, next, I have Jeremy Clemens at, at 6,800. Had two top tens last year, although they certainly aren't running uh, as strong as they were last year. But he was in line for a top 10 before they effectively broke. Uh, I didn't think break. They got in a wreck. But before that change. They got in a wreck with uh, Hemrick at yeah, the end yeah, of the yeah, street. Yeah. yeah. In wait, the spring. Wait, did Hemrick not get caught up in the wreck? No. Um, I don't think I it think was Hemrick. Kept, I think it was. But, like, Clements got stuffed in the wall. And, like, his car well, got really he, messed up. I think Hemrick Hemrick was, like, in 30th that whole race and finished, like, 12th or something. I remember it being a calling car, and I just don't remember it being Castle or AJ, so I think it was Hemrick, but maybe it wasn't. Either but way. It, yeah, it was a calling car, I think. Obviously, <laughs> maybe feeling a little bit deflated this week, but they've run solid, and even uh, before that, the spring was, uh, in terms of his average position in the race, like a top five race for him this year, so still a good track for him. Next, Stefan Parsons, 6,200, you know, the weekly Alpha Prime guy. I feel like he's been better than Ellis has uh, Alpha Prime as of late. So I'm going to go with him at 6,200. Last guy, I have Kyle Weatherman, 5,900. Finished here in the spring. Uh, in the last four ovals, when he's not involved in an incident or has a DNF, he had a fuel pump issue. I think that was Nashville, uh, excuse me, Nashville maybe. Uh, and I think he got involved in a crash at Charlotte. Has like a 13th place average finish in the ovals, uh, last four ovals, other than that. So it's been very strong in that Jesse Wood car. Not as strong on road courses, but I mean, he's not, that's not shocking. But for 5,900 without he's ran, uh, that's real good value. Maybe a little bit off putting if he qualifies good like he did at Michigan. Qualified real well, uh, slid back to probably more where you'd expect him to finish around like 15th. So that cost him some points there. But for 5,900 for always ran is of great value. So my team, definitely a little different, and I'm probably going to have a couple of variations here, but the one that I'm choosing to highlight right now, we're going with not a complete JRM run here, but we got three of their four guys. Uh, Justin Allgaier, 10,200, Noel Gregson at 10,000, and Josh Berry at 9,800. Obviously, Allgaier and Gregson have wins here. Josh Berry has shown some flashes, really duked it out with Allgaier in the race here last year in the spring. Um, I went with Sheldon Creed. Going to be completely honest, that was best availability <laughs> or best available when it came to the salary that I had left. The JRM guy's really taking up a lot. So 7800 for Sheldon Creed. He has been looking better over the last couple races when he could keep the car clean. That's really what you're banking on. If you're going with Sheldon Creed or you're betting on Sheldon Creed, you're just hoping that they don't have any issues, which might be a lot to ask for. But I think if he could do that, that's actually a decent play for the race. Uh, next up, Jeremy Clements, 6,800. You already talked about him. Pretty good track record here. Uh, was in position to have a good finish before he got into a wreck. And after looking at the results, it looks like it might have actually been with Ryan Truex at the end of the race. That would make more sense based on how they finished. Um, but still, he was in position to have a solid run. I, I think they might be down, but... They might be able to talk themselves into having a good run at Darlington based on how they were in the spring. I, I think he's going to be pretty strong, even on the heels of what happened at Daytona. And then rounding out my team, one of our favorites, Ryan Ellis, 5,200. Just a, a decent all-around pick, you know, with that low salary. He's going to keep the car in one piece. If they don't have the best of qualifying runs, you could probably bank on him to get a lot of points in terms of moving up through the field. So... You know, some normal guys in there, and then a couple off-the-radar picks on both of our teams, but I think once you break it down, you realize they'll very well could be good at the end of the day. Uh, going over to the Cup Series now, Southern 500, one of the sports majors, always a big deal if you win the race. Favorites for it, the drivers that finished 1-2 in the Southern 500 last year, knows the tail coming across the line and in the wall in Kyle Larson's case. But... Denny Hamlin, Kyle Larson, plus 600 for their odds. This might be another one where we might be picking near the top because I think those are two guys that everybody thinks are going to be very fast come Sunday night. Yeah, they are, uh, but I'm going to stick with the guy I picked to win in our playoff predictions coming out sometime after this podcast. 
Uh, so I'm going with a guy that would normally be classified as a value pick, but I'm going to stick to my guns. Kevin Harvick plus 1700. Uh, he has a 3.9 average finish here in the last 10 races, including eight top fives and 10 top tens. Uh, even though they were not all that quick uh, earlier in the year, they did get a top five here finished, I believe, third, maybe even second. No, he didn't finish second. I think Reddick finished second in the spring. Either way, finished second or third, maybe actually fourth. I don't remember. Fourth. fourth. Uh, real good run when they had less speed. They have a lot more speed as of late. I think he opens up the playoffs with a win. So Kevin Harvick plus 1,700. Uh, I'm doing the same thing. I'm picking the guy that I went with on our predictions that'll be coming out before the race on Sunday or maybe Saturday. It'll be out before the cup race, that's for sure. But give me Denny Hamlin, plus 600. Uh, I'm a little, a little bit more worried about this pick, given the fact he is not going to be running the Xfinity race. But it's, I'm not worried enough to change my pick on it. So Denny, obviously, him and Darlington, they're like, Peanut butter and jelly. What what can you say? They're they're very good together, and arguably it's his best track. He's had a lot of success here, and I'm picking him to go back to back in the Southern 500 and just add another notch in his crown jewel resume. Um, can't can't really say much other than that. He's just really good here, and I like the pick, and we're gonna roll with it, even with the uh, issues he's having from his wreck at Daytona. Um. Value pick. I don't know if you got another one because Kevin Harvick would be classified in I that do, value area. I you got another one? one? Yeah. Give me Eric Jones plus 6,000. Arguably his best track. Uh, before leaving Gibbs, I think in six races it was he had there here. He had six top tens. Uh, last year when Richard Petty Motorsports was not all that quick, he did not finish in the top 10, but had like a top 15, I think, in one, which is still pretty solid. Was running in the top 10 uh, in the spring before being taken out in an accident. Uh, it's, you know, certainly rare for a non-playoff guy to win a playoff race that is not Talladega anyway. But at plus 6,000 at one of his best tracks in what has been a pretty solid year for him, I think Eric Jones has a lot of value. I'm riding the hot hand. Give me the value play that worked last week. I'm going Austin Dillon again, plus 4,500. Darlington's been very good to him. Five top tens in 12 starts here. Two top five finishes. Came very close to winning the Southern 500 in 2020. If he had one more lap, he might have been able to chase down Kevin Harvick. Um, weirdly enough, he's never led a lap here in the Cup Series. But, but he always seems to be running, you know... Maybe not near the front, but you always see him moving up at the end of these races. He, he knows how to get around here, especially when the tires get worn at the end of the runs. I'm definitely riding off of the momentum from last week, but if there's a track where we've seen, you know, Austin be able to uh, able to perform and maybe somehow, some way he could get a shocking back-to-back wins and punch his ticket into the next round, this is probably going to be the place. Uh Maybe Richmond, but that's no longer in the playoffs. So we're going to go with Darlington. We're going to go with Austin Dillon, plus 4,500. And let's see if he could help us break the bank two weeks in a row on these value picks. Going over to the group selections. Let's start off with Group A, as always. This week, we have Kyle Larson at plus 210, Tyler Reddick and Chase Elliott at plus 260, and the driver who won here in the spring in the throwback race, Joey Logano, at plus 350. I'm going with Chase Elliott. Uh, obviously, this is one of Kyle Larson's best tracks, but Chase Elliott's also been pretty good here. Stats don't necessarily show the full picture, uh, but in since 2020, so since we, we the COVID season, basically, He's either finished in the top seven or had a really good car and then crashed uh, twice, actually, in 2020. Uh, at least once he was going to win that race. Uh, the 500, of course, he was going to finish second. Crashed in both of them, although did still finish the Southern 500. Last year was running uh, pretty good in the Southern 500 as well before getting involved in the crash. Uh, they've had a really good year, had a career year for him so far. I think that continues uh, with another strong run here to start the playoffs. I'm going Kyle Larson. I'm honestly surprised to not see Denny Hamlin in this group, given, given that he's co-favorites with Larson. Um, you know, Reddick and 
Chase are pretty close to them in terms of the odds to outright win. And I, I feel I feel like I'm going to be kicking myself in the ass here when Joey Logano somehow wins this group. But Larson has been like, I don't hate Logano's value, to be honest. No, I don't. I don't. And that's why I'm going to be really mad when he does pull it out, because I, I think this is a little bit closer than maybe the odds suggest. I'm still going to go with Larson. He came close to winning this race in the fall last year. Uh, he had a solid run going in the spring before his engine blew up. You know, a couple weird mechanical issues that he had at the beginning of the year. I'm not expecting that here in a playoff race. So did lead 30 laps in the spring race, only out, out of the uh, 112 that he completed. 210, that's still good enough where I feel comfortable with the payout. I think he's going to do a li- just a little bit better, just good enough to win this one. If not, maybe he does win the race. But if I'm going with anybody else other than Larson, it's probably Logano, just given the odds. I, I like those odds for Logano, but I'll I'll stick with Larson here for Group A. Uh, group B, we have Denny Hamlin at plus 150, Kyle Busch at plus 300, Martin Truex Jr. at plus 340, and Ross Chastain at plus 340. I'll go first just because we know who I'm picking, and that's Denny Hamlin because I have him to win the race. Yeah, Denny Hamlin's odds in this uh, would scare me away from ever picking him because, one, obviously this is one of his best tracks. I don't think he is what effectively would be like twice as good as Kyle or more than twice as good as Ross, Ch- uh, Ross Chastain and Truex here. Truex, I'm avoiding at least this week. You never really know what you get with those guys that aren't in the playoffs. Uh, if he was a non-factor the rest of the year, it would not be shocking. We've seen it before. Uh, so I do, I'm avoiding him at least this week until we know what kind of effort effectively they're putting into it. Both he's putting in and the, the team is putting in. Uh, I'm going with Kyle here at plus 300. Was running really good here in the spring before getting involved in an accident. That happened to a lot of guys. Uh, I also don't hate Ross at plus 340, but I feel like there's a chance Ross gets put in the wall here. It's a pretty easy track for someone to do it to him. But this was last year. This race was the best up until that point, the best race of his cup career. Mm -hmm. I mean, Ross looked like he could have won this race in the spring before he dumped the car, pushing it too hard at the start of stage three. Um, But I'm with you. I'm staying away from Ross because if Ross is contending for the win, he's probably going to be racing Denny. So I'm not, I'm not putting any money on Ross Chastain here on this one. I think the first round, if you're going to, if you're Denny Hamlin and you want to get him back, I feel like it's better to wait till the second round if possible, because you could have a bad race in the first round and still make it. I feel like Honestly, why why waste your bullet in the first round? You know, uh, easily, easily. The only reason I would be opposed to if I'm Denny and I definitely want payback, I would be opposed to waiting till even the last round is because in that last round, uh if he wins the race, then he's in the playoffs and or in the championship four, and now you've kind of ruined your shot to really screw with him. So Yeah. But um yeah, I'm locked into Denny. I get not wanting to go with him because he's only plus one fifty, but I really feel like the only one you have to worry about here is Kyle, if you are going with Denny Hamlin, because I'm, I'm with you. You don't know what you're going to get with Truex, and I really think like, or feel like if Ross is racing up front, he's going to have to deal with Denny, and that could lead to some problems for Ross. So, I'll take Denny. I do like the Kyle pick, though. I think if you're not going Denny Hamlin, that might actually be the only way to go, given the circumstances. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised uh, at all if Truex does have the best car. Just like I said, you don't know. You don't know. Yep. Group C, we have Ryan Blaney at plus 210, William Byron at plus 260, Christopher Bell at plus 300, and Kevin Harvick at plus 300. We know who you're going, but I'll let you say it. Yeah, Harvick at plus 300, which I like even more as he is the tied for the long shot of this group. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's it's funny, real quick. You have William Byron at plus 260, more than Bell or Harvick. And the the logic almost feels like, well, he almost won here in the spring. But then in Group A, you have Logano as the pretty long, decent long shot in that group when he did win here in the spring. (laughs) I I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of the odds. I don't get why people are rating William Byron as as, as high as they are. That includes some people in the media, specifically I mean, listen, Nate Ryan. This isn't <laughs> in the next group. We have, I feel like, a very similar issue, except that guy did not almost win the race in the spring. 
To me, uh, this one is definitely just Bell or Harvick, though. And I, like I said, I took Harvick. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, Blaney, not the best track record here. Even though I feel like he has been a little bit better in the past. So I think this, like the spring race, they were out to lunch. I think they had a really rough day in the spring race here. Um, give me Christopher Bell just to be a little bit different. Uh, can't argue with the Harvick pick. He definitely has the stats to back it up. But if that four car is a little bit off, I'm going to go with the Toyota that's been the most consistent throughout the year, or at least the second half or last two-thirds, once we got past Atlanta. <laughs> and that's Christopher Bell, plus 300, same odds as Harvick. I'm 100% with you on here. I, I almost just want to eliminate Ryan Blaney and William Byron. To me, this feels like it is almost a head-to-head matchup, and it's between the two guys with the longest odds. So I think there's a, there's a great opportunity. Either way here, whether you go with Bell or you go with Harvick, there's a great opportunity to make some cash here. So Byron's definitely just going to go out and win the race. Oh, I, I mean, I just said that about Logano, too. So <laughs> maybe deja vu, right? We're just going to be doing it again. It'll be maybe, maybe the rules will be reversed this time. It's like different than, you know, with Logano. Not, neither of us said he couldn't win the race. We've, we've effectively eliminated William Byron before they even got to the track. <laughs> And maybe maybe he'll prove us wrong and make Nate Ryan look like a genius. Because if Ryan Blaney was even odds with Bell and Harvick, I still wouldn't pick him, but I wouldn't hate it. it, it I only hate it because he has um, the highest odds here at plus 210. <laughs> Group D is one of the more ridiculous ones I've ever seen in terms of odds. I, I don't know what's going on here. Um, only- it, 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 I don't know what's going on. Um, Alex Bowman. Leading the group at plus 170, Austin Dillon at plus 240, Daniel Suarez at plus 300, Michael McDowell at plus 425. Honestly, like outside of McDowell, because he did have a top 10 here in the spring, but it's a different game once you get to the playoffs. I I know this is Austin Dillon's best track, but no offense to Austin Dillon. Uh, It doesn't necessarily mean as much as saying like, oh, this is Kyle Larson's best track. It's mm-hmm. not like Austin Dill- Dillon's gone out and won a bunch of races here or ha- has a bunch of top fives. Like, yeah, it's good yeah, here. No. I, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it, oh, I think it's close between this Richmond, Michigan, obviously ignoring Daytona and Talladega because they're Daytona and Talladega. But so I feel like, honestly, Bowman, Dillon, or Suarez, either any of them could win. Obviously, track record wise, Dillon maybe has the best one, but also has been in the series the longest. Uh, Suarez spent a lot of time and not great equipment, but did have a uh, top 10 here. His first top 10 that he's had at Darlington in the spring, which is why I'm taking Daniel Suarez at plus 300. Yeah, I'm, uh, this is another one that I almost feel like it's two guys. I'd maybe look, I'd honestly look at McDowell before Alex Bowman. And that's not even because of the odds. Like just how they've run recently, I feel more I mean, comfortable if, in Michael they, McDowell if, if than Alex were, Bowman. <laughs> if they were even, give me Bowman over McDowell any day of the week. I'm just mm-hmm. going to be honest here. If they were even. At these odds, 100% McDowell before mm-hmm. Bowman. But normally, I'll take Bowman over McDowell at even odds just because, again, Bowman's in the playoffs. and there is. I don't think it's likely, given how long their decline has or how long their rough stretch has been, I mean, there is a chance, I guess, Bowman and Byron's team have just been kind of doing whatever. I I don't think so, just because, as I already said, normally when that was the case with um, Jimmy Johnson, they just kind of were doing whatever, weren't that slow, but they'd already have picked it back up by now. Almost every year where Jimmy Johnson went into that like slight lull in the summer, they usually won one of the like two or three races before the playoffs or chase started. And the, we the have not year. seen any fact, any ch- any hint of true competitiveness from either of the Hendrick guys. The only year I remember Jimmy not like picking it up before the chase would have been like 2013, and he ended up winning the championship anyways that year. That's that's just how Jimmy and Chad were. Uh, as for this pick, I'll go with Austin Dillon. I already have him as my long shot for the week, plus 240. I think it's almost a toss-up between him and Suarez. Uh, Suarez is tempting, given the odds. I really only picked Suarez because I figured you'd pick Austin Dillon, and I didn't hate either pick. So I figured might as well make him different. At least then maybe one of us will be right, unlike last week. 
And Alex Bowman finishes third behind William Byron and Joey Logano at Darlington. That's honestly, I feel like at this point it's more like Joey Logano, William Byron, and Ross Chastain, and Bowman yeah. finishes fourth. That 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 could be that could be with how we've done these, but I'll go with Austin here plus two forty again. Already have him as the value pick, and Darlington being one of his better tracks, it's pretty easy for me to go that way. Uh, fantasy side, Cup Series. I think uh, this is another one where you can build a lot of teams. There's some weeks where I feel like you're really just locked into some you know somebody, and you really have to build off them. But you know, there's a nice nice salary gap with some of these guys. You can kind of. Pick some different lineups, I guess, because you really work the lineups out this week. But what are what are you going with for your team in the cup race? Yeah, I don't know that I've done this before, uh, and I didn't do it purposefully, but looking at it, I did just go with the four guys from the group bets. Uh, Chase Elliott, 10,700. Well, I guess not the four guys here, but four of the guys we talked about that could win in the group bets. Uh, Chase Elliott, 10,700. Kevin Harvick, 8,500. And the two guys in the last one that I think both have a lot of value, Daniel Suarez, 8,000, Austin Dillon, 7,800. Uh, already talked about them, but the other two guys I have, one of them, Eric Jones, 7,200, was already my value pick, so I don't have a lot to say about him. But the last guy I have, and someone we've talked about a little bit, uh, Bubba Wallace, 7,300, was running top 15, probably even the top 10 at the moment of the big crash back in the spring that he was involved in. And he will effectively have the full focus of 2311. I something we didn't talk about when they're um, were both when we were talking about uh, the the number swap car swap kind of um, not that they're going to give up on Ty Gibbs, but I feel like at this point there's far less of a, an incentive to put a, 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 as much effort into that car as you would have before. Bubba is the big marketable guy and the future of the team. Uh, Ty Gibbs is on loan effectively till likely next year. It sounds like. For Joe Gibbs Racing, so I'm not I think they're. I'm not, I don't think they're just going to stop caring about the 23 car, but now all the eggs can be in the basket of getting the best, doing the best possible for the uh, for the 45. Not to mention 23 can't move up a ton in the points either. So I think with Bubba being in the 45, full focus there, Bubba Wallace 7300. All right, my team. Um kind of similar premise in terms of how I was started out building it, but mixed it up a little bit. Um, going with Denny Hamlin, 11,100. It's my guy to win the race. Easy pick for me to, or for me to go with him here. Uh, Kyle Larson, 11,400. He's my next guy. I, I really feel like as long as Hamlin's uh, injury, whatever you want to call it from Daytona, isn't too serious. I, I think these two guys are going to be duking it out for the win come Sunday night. Um, after that, a little bit of a drop-off in salary. We're going Austin Dillon, 7,800. Again, I'm in on him. Darlington, very good track for him. Uh, again, kind of like the Sheldon Creed pick. Ironically, same number. Austin Sindrick, when, when I'm putting the team together, he was kind of just the best available. Wasn't great here in the spring to get a top 20 finish, I believe, but they are looking a lot better now than they did in the spring. And I think he's going to be able to put together a solid run. Probably not going to see him contend for the win, but you know I think he'll be sniffing around a tenth place or so. So could be some decent points out of Cindric in the race on Sunday. Uh, last two guys might come as a little bit of a surprise. Uh, first one we got Justin Haley, sixty two hundred, ran pretty good here in the spring. Ended up getting a top five finish, I believe. He finished third, so that's somebody to look out for. Only sixty two hundred, so you're getting you know to keep the salary down there, and it could allow you to go a little bit higher in terms of your other drivers. Last one, Corey LaJoy, fifty four hundred, and that's somebody I don't normally pick on these fantasy teams, but in this race last year, he had Spires probably their best run ever. They were up running around, I believe, the top 10, ultimately finished the race in 15th. Going to be a little different with the new car, but I'm just going off of, in the big race here last year, they were able to step up, and they put on a pretty good show for everybody that was watching that night. So Corey LaJoy, 5,400. Again, somebody I don't normally go with on Fantasy, but if there's a race where he might be able to go out there that's not a plate track, it's probably here. So... Hoping for a good run out of that seven car come Sunday night. All that's done is just reinforce how tr truly disappointed I am in Spire this year. Mm -hmm. Just truly, truly disappointed. 
With there's all the been, that we've seen, yeah. <laughs> there's been some improvement from them, but just not to anywhere near what I expect. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's very, very marginal improvement at best. Mm-hmm. I would, I can't say you're wrong, but I'm hoping they're able to do something similar to what they did here last year. Um, I'll do it from the for the fantasy side. Any any final thoughts? Any stories you want to share before we sign off? Nope. Yeah, what I definitely just want to say, uh, Dale Jr. raced at North Wilkesboro the other night. Um, obviously third place finish. Good for Dale. Hasn't driven one of those cars in an actual competitive race in like 25 years. So that was really cool to see him out there. But just saw the pictures and the videos from the track. I know North Wilkesboro was getting good attendance before that race. That place was sold out. I did not see an empty seat. I think they had close to 20,000 people there. That was absolutely insane. <laughs> Just uh, to see all the views to come out of that race. Um, there was a little bit of news there. I think Adam Stern was reporting that track's probably going to be shut down next year as they do all the renovations. Not really that much of a surprise. Um, but man, I, I can't wait until 2024 comes around. We have no idea what's going to be racing there. I think if, you know, it's it's proven right now. Maybe it's because Junior was there, but I think it's going to be a great place for late models. Maybe you get, like, weekly racing action like you do at tracks like Hickory. Um, and it's not going to shock me if we see a truck race there in the near future. I know we talked about that when we did our, you know, ideal schedules a couple months back. But, you know, I think I think the future, I thought it looked good. When all this stuff got announced for North Wilkesboro, I think it looks even better than I thought it could be after the race there last night. So can't wait for that. Um, definitely going to be cool to see what becomes of that racetrack. I'm sure they're going to do a great job fixing it up in the future. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Bernie Breakdown. We will be back after what I hope is another great Southern 500. Till next time, guys. Thanks for listening. Brandon Monroe here. Thanks for listening to the Bernie Breakdown. Remember to keep listening to us on your favorite podcasting platform. And remember to follow us at Bernie Breakdown on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and all of our other social media platforms.